Welcome back into the Fast Lane on this Thursday afternoon. My name is Trey Lyle, filling in once again for Mr. Ed Lane, who is, of course, at the beach sipping Mai Tais. Oh, wait, let me let me correct that. I After talking with Ed, uh, he is enjoying some ice cream on the side of the beach. Of course, he does have twins, so uh, it makes more sense he would have ice cream. Speaking of the beach, a man who lives at the beach and also covers NASCAR for for frontstretch.com. He's a co-host along with me of the Happy Hour podcast. Mr. Pit Lane LT Dalton Hopkins is here with us. My man, how are you doing? It is uh it's good to hear from you twice in one week. Yeah, uh I just I didn't ha- thanks for having me on again. Uh I didn't have enough of you on on Tuesday, so uh figured let's let's do another one. Let's do another one here today. Let's talk more about about stuff that's been going on in the world of NASCAR and hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. It's really hot. It's hot as hell outside right now. Uh, but that probably doesn't worry Ed because he's at the beach. He's enjoying himself having some nice ice cream. I wish I was having some ice cream right now. Yeah, he is. I I, I think he's a vanilla guy, um, oh. but, uh, you know, simple. He's a simple vanilla guy, but I'm not sure about that. Basic. So, uh, you know, I, I would go for like a birthday cake or, or a mint chip. That's that's what mint I would go. Chip. Yeah, so for that's the win. That's my go to. There yeah. you go. Look at us. Great minds think alike. All right, let's let's talk some NASCAR and uh let's start with uh Richmond this past weekend. Uh we had some great reaction from um, Michael Massey, our colleague earlier in the week, also our co host for Happy Hour. Uh but I, I really want to focus on the resurgence of RFK this past year and Simply put, are they the best four team right now? I think it's really hard to dispute if they are uh, or if they aren't. Um, I think really the only team you can actually look at right now that is somewhat rival that could rival them is probably Team Penske. Look, I don't want to be the guy that you know sees somebody win a race and think, "Oh my gosh, these guys are the best out there right now." These guys are currently the, the they're the best out there, but. When you look at Ford as a whole, there's no doubt, I don't think in anybody's mind, that that manufacturer has been 100% struggling all year. And this is only their third win of the season, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure it's only their third win of the season. And I think this is their worst season so far since 2012. I'd have to recheck that to make sure. if It's either 2012 or 2015. I have to be recheck that. But either way, there's no doubt that Ford has been struggling but when you look at RFK Racing, that team has been consistent all year. Maybe not Chris Buescher, but Brad Keselowski has been in the top 10 almost every single weekend. And he's been consistently up there running up the top 10 and some at some points even challenging for wins. And when he isn't, it's usually not another Ford that is. You know, I, I think, you know, obviously Logano winning at Atlanta, but, you know, that's a restrictor plate or whatever you want to call it, super speedway race. And you have Ryan Blaney winning the Coke 600, and they, he was just running well that day, I guess. But I think if there is a team out there that you could say is doing better than RFK as a Ford team, it's probably Team Penske. But it's a very close comparison. Uh, I think if RFK isn't the leading Ford team right now, they are a very, 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 very close second. You know, when Brad came over to RFK from Team Penske, a lot of people said he wanted to model it after what Roger did, what Roger Penske did, which, frankly, is not a bad person to do a comparison to. Uh, looking at the kind of development over the last two years, uh, where where have you seen kind of the most growth from this team since Brad has joined it? 
I think most of the growth is 100% just come from their confidence. They, I mean, you t you can tell. I mean, my gosh, you look at their social media. <laughs> I mean, you follow you follow them on Twitter, you follow them on Instagram or something like that. Their social admin, they they're easily probably the most, they're probably the funniest social media team in NASCAR right now. And I think that a lot of that is kind of stemming from confidence. You you go into their garage, you go into their pit stalls. That team, there's just something about them. They seem different. They seem more fired up. You know, they go into every race thinking nowadays, in the last two years, nowadays they think, hey, you know, we may not actually have, you know, we may not actually contend for the win today, but there is a very good chance that we will get a top 10 or a top 15. That's where they are right now competitive-wise. That's where they are consistently on a week-by-week -week basis, and that's a heck of a lot better than where they were in about 2017 to 2021 when they had, you know, the likes of Trevor Bain and Ryan Newman. You know, in, in, in those guys driving for that race team. So I, I think the confidence level that has stemmed from seeing a guy like Brad Keselowski take the reins, that in, in just his leadership, the overall, the way they've been become so successful, this team has seen that and they are becoming more confident as, as time goes on. And it's only going to get better and better as this team puts up more and more uh, successful wins. Looking at kind of the, the two-year resurgence of this team since Brad has joined on, and obviously Chris Buescher has gotten two wins in that time, are you surprised kind of by the growth of this team so quickly since Brad has joined? Because this was, you know, Roush, Fenway, Roush Racing had declined so much over the last couple of years that it is a really cool thing to see one of the classic teams in the sport kind of back contending. You know, if you had asked me that a, a couple of years ago, if you had asked me that during the Gen 6 days, I probably would have said yes. That is, It is a big surprise to see a team become out of the woodwork so quickly, become uh, so successful as they have. But, I mean, I think nowadays there is this just one big X factor that NASCAR, these NASCAR teams have had to get used to, and that is the next-gen car. This is the, a new era of racing that we have entered, and now... All of these teams like Hendrick Motorsports, like Joe Gibbs Racing, like Team Penske, they've all had to kind of take their notes and throw them out the window because now it's a completely new car. And it's new for everybody. Everybody had to start at square one. Same thing for RFK Racing. And because of that, they have become a successful team out of it because they were at the same starting line as everyone else when they got into this new next-gen car. The same thing. I mean, you could argue maybe like monetarily they weren't, but that's a whole different thing. And then, I mean, it, it, it's the same for a lot of other teams, too. That's why you see teams like Trackhouse Racing and 2311. This team has come out of the woodwork because of that, as a combination of that, and also as a combination of Brad Keselowski's leadership. I mean, you talk about a guy like Brad Keselowski coming out of Pensk Team Penske, who, a guy who went under a guy like Roger Penske, who has, who is probably arguably the best leader in all of motorsports at the moment. I mean... He took that, adopted a lot of those leadership values, and carried them over to this new team, and it's obviously working. You can tell that Brad Kozlowski is a mature driver. He's a mature guy. He wants this team to be successful. He even said, hey, it's going to take time for this team to grow and develop, and he doesn't regret a minute of it, obviously, and for good reason now because that team is getting sponsorships left and right, and now they're putting up the results to match it. Yeah, do you, do you want to build a submarine, or do you want uh, and eat Hawaiian rolls? I want to do both. I want to eat King's Hawaiian rolls on a submarine, on a on the next generation of Navy submarines. 
that's our next episode of Happy Hour on a submarine while eating Hawaiian rolls. There you go, folks. Moving on to the NASCAR Hall of Fame, which was the big announcement yesterday. I'm not going to ask you uh, about if Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals should have made it in. My question is this. They are probably the two greatest, or arguably the two greatest, for their respective spots. And this might be even more towards Jimmy in particular. Do you believe, like myself and uh, others, that Jimmy should have been a unanimous Hall of Famer and that the fact that four people did not vote for him to be in the Hall of Fame is ludicrous? (laughs) I sure would like to hear their argument. I I genuinely would. I'm not the kind of guy that's going to attack somebody because, you know, they, they voted one way. I want to hear the reason why they voted a certain way. And <laughs> although that being said, I really can't think of an argument for those people who voted against Jimmy Johnson. Maybe Chad Canals. Maybe. I mean, I can kind of understand he's a crew chief, you know, and everything. But I just, I can't understand Jimmy Johnson. I mean, the guy's a seven-time champion. And, you know, and before we start, you know, everyone starting this witch hunt about everyone starting this witch hunt. Who are the four people that didn't vote for Jimmy Johnson? I want to know. And Denny Hamlin even came out on Twitter and said, this is a disgrace for for sports, one of the greatest, and blah, 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 blah. I just want to hear why, what the reasoning was, because these voters that go into the Hall of Fame, that vote for the Hall of Fame, they're not idiots. These guys, guys and men and women, both, they they all come into the sport, and they, they know a lot about, and they know a lot about the sport. They've been around for a while. They know their stuff. So they probably didn't just vote off Jimmy Johnson all willy-nilly. That said, I, I see a lot of people saying, oh, well, Jeff Gordon didn't make it in either. Jeff Gordon didn't make it in unanimously either. Well, no, he's a four-time champion. He's not a seven-time champion like Jimmy Johnson. I mean, Jeff Gordon's you know an icon of the sport for sure, but Jimmy Johnson is indeed a seven-time champion. Like he is, he, he will go down as one of, if not the greatest of all time. So it, it, it kind of it's almost to me, it's like it's almost like not voting Dale Earnhardt first ballot Hall of Fame. And that that I don't understand. I just need to hear the argument. I just need to hear why on earth they did not vote for it. I will not attack them. I will not get mad at them unless the reason is really stupid. Do you believe and maybe it, because there was a lack of transparency in the voting process because, you know, you know, also that the only fact they allowed two, because, you know, you look at a Carl Edwards, a Jeff Burton, among others that are, are missing off this list. You know, it's like basically everyone who was on the ballot last year that made it this year kind of gets to, you know, lose a year of eligibility because Chad and Jimmy were the two obvious choices. And they're only allowed the vote for, I believe, what, two in the mo- the modern wing. Like, do you think there needs to be a lot more transparency in kind of the voting process and maybe even more allowance of a bigger class yeah it almost makes me want to say yes i mean but that being said when we had five when we were voting in five drivers a year everybody in their pet goldfish was going to get into the nascar hall of fame at some point i know you know we all want carl Edwards to get make into the hall of fame because i don't think there's anybody out there that would say he doesn't deserve to be in it uh we all want you know buddy baker to be in the hall of fame because he's a very popular guy you know, we want a lot of those drivers that are currently on the ballot that missed it this year to be on it. That said, every once in a while, you're just going to get a name on there that has to be in the Hall of Fame. So, yes, everyone says, oh, well, it's another year that Carl Edwards isn't going to make it in. And it's like, well, 
yeah, but you know what? Who's going to be on it next year that is probably going to take it? Like maybe Carl's probably got a really good shot at it next year. So I think it's just all about patience. You're only going to get a name like Jimmy Johnson on the ballot every once in a while. Yes, it's disappointing to see another year, you know, just see such a, a reason, like such a obvious choice for the ballot. But at the same time, I mean, greatness needs to be recognized. And that's what the Hall of Fame is for. Yeah, at least it's not the Baseball Hall of Fame. But let, let's uh, move on <laughs> to uh, to Michigan, uh, Michigan this weekend. Uh, obviously, Ford has dominated this race. Winners of the last eight. Harvick, in particular, has won five of the last seven. Are you expecting a you know this Ford resurgence, which we talked about on Happy Hour, to continue as we head into Michigan? You know, it's kind of hard to argue against it, isn't it? I, I don't really know... If there is, you know, it's like you said, eight races in a row that Ford has won. I mean, if this is the place, if there is a time for Ford to make their claim that they are resurging, that this is where they're going to make their charge back into battle for the championship, this is the place to do it. Because this is basically, this has basically been their home. This has been their stomping grounds for the last eight, or yeah, for the last eight races there. And I mean, and not to mention, let alone Ford, how about Kevin Harvick? I mean, look at Kevin Harvick, who is in his last year, you know, is not still not locked into the playoffs. I mean, he's he's pretty he's pretty up there with the amount of points that he has right now. So I'm not going to say he's in trouble or anything. But I mean, certainly he would like that comfort behind him. And again, Michigan has kind of been a stomping ground five of the last seven races, as you said. So I think Kevin Harvick, this is a good chance for him to kind of get a win before he retires, before he finally you know, hangs his helmet up. So I think Ford does look pretty good uh, based off of Richmond. That being said, uh, when it comes to the two-mile tracks, though, Toyotas just look really strong. Chevrolet has looked really strong. They they have both looked really strong in comparison to the Fords. So unless Ford, Ford really needs a, a performance like they had at Charlotte when they were actually up in the front competing, and, of course, they ended up winning that race as well. So... They need a run like that. They need a performance like that if they really want to stake a claim that this is where they're going to make a resurgence. Do you think this is Kevin Harvick's maybe best chance to win a race, you know, in his final year pre, you know, before we get to the playoffs? I think we're going to see a whole new Kevin Harvick in the playoffs. You said it on happy hour. I'm pretty sure you said it on happy hour. When he gets into the playoffs, or maybe it might have been, it might have been our guest. It was Dustin. It was Dustin, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm sorry. But you were there. I mean, you were there when Dustin, our guest this week, Dustin Albino of JCJSky.com, he came out and said, hey, Kevin Harvick's going to be dangerous in the playoffs. He's got nothing to lose. He's going to come into the playoffs, and he is going to, he's going to be aggressive. He, he knows this is going to be his last chance at getting another championship. This is his last season. He's not going to have to pay any of his dues in the future. If he wants to take a guy out for to, to make it to the playoffs to get a win or something, by God, he's going to do it. I mean, we've seen him do less to make it to move move forward in the playoffs to how they get 2015 so just had to throw that out there but he, we've seen him do stuff like that in the past that's where he's going to be dangerous yes this weekend is going to be very great for him it's going to be a great opportunity for him but it's not going to be the last opportunity yeah i i kind of agree with that i i you know we're going to do votes of confidence tomorrow uh i i kind of joked that i i had no faith in the fords this week uh, if you go back to the race last year, Ford really wasn't dominant in that it was just a late race restart. 
that kind of led to Kevin Harvick getting the win. But a guy who was pretty good last year at Michigan is a guy that's we could argue in a good spot as we move into the playoff cut line. I think it's always going to be a theme with four races left. Uh, Bubba Wallace, who's who had a really good weekend at Richmond, he's now moved to plus 54 to the good, which is basically a race at this point. Uh, he's got a race above the line, and he's got Michael Medallion between them, and that's a pretty good size gap. For a guy who was the pole setter last year and ended up finishing second, how important would it be for him to increase that buffer heading into two road course races, which is not his strength. Uh, he has improved there. He'll be in a good good car, we'd assume, with Tyler Reddick probably being the best road course racer in the sport right now. Uh, how important, though, was it? would it be for him to kind of back up how well he was at Michigan last year with a really good Michigan race this year? Look, Bubba Wallace is, I think you know just as well as I do, Bubba Wallace is the kind of guy that wears his emotions on his sleeve. He... He's not afraid to talk out. He's not afraid to, to say what he's thinking. And that goes the same when he, especially when he's trying to critique himself. I mean, hell, it's like Michigan last year. We saw it in Michigan last year. He came out and he was dejected. I mean, he knew that last year at Michigan was his best chance to make the playoffs to win. And he, and he blew it. I mean, I mean, maybe he didn't blow it. Kevin Harvick was just better than him that day. I mean, there was really nothing he could do about it. So, that said, he's in a much better position this year than he is last year. And it's the same thing. This is the same conversation, the same thing I was talking about with RFK. You can tell, look at his demeanor. You look at that team's demeanor. They are confident again. You can tell that they know that they are a team that feels like they are competitive to, to be winners in the future. And this is probably one of his best racetracks, I would argue. So... I think Bubba Wallace is in that position now where he's got the confidence, he's got the positions, he, he's got the momentum. And really, the big thing for him is now he's going at a racetrack where he knows that he can perform well. He's won at in the truck series in the past there. So this is now a time for Bubba to to kind of show, okay, this can go well for me. And if he ends up putting on a great finish, a great performance, he can carry that into the road course races as well. I don't think there's any other factor out there that helps Bubba Wallace more than his own confidence. He cannot beat himself up if this race goes poorly, if he wants to survive the when he wants to survive the road courses. He's got to get through this race on a high step and he can carry into the road courses and once he's through that, he should be good to go get to get through the playoffs. That said, he could also win this weekend and just not have to do any of that as well. So, he's probably looking at this weekend as a best chance to not even have to worry about the road course races. Either way, though, it's all about his own mentality. He just cannot psychologically beat himself up after this weekend if he wants to keep his playoff hopes alive. At Pit Lane LT, Dalton Hopkins here on the fast lane. Uh, my last question for you, it, it's back to that playoff cut line. All right, so everyone's partying at your house because you live in Daytona, and it's it's you know after the last race before the playoffs, and obviously – Based off the rumors I hear, you have the big party uh, for for all the playoff drivers uh, when the playoffs is set. Now that it's at Daytona, where you live, who is going to be that sixteenth person invited to the cookout? Jeez, yeah, it's a it's a tough cut line right now. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I know everyone kind of would probably roll their eyes if I had said Michael McDowell. They'd probably say, "Oh yeah, you know, Michael McDowell is, you know, he's not really looking too good, but or he hasn't been doing that great." Uh, the last few weeks, but keep in mind, Michael McDowell is a former sports car racer, and we've got two road courses coming up. I like his chances. 
Ty Gibbs has been really strong the last few weekends. IJ Almendinger is starting to come back a little bit better, but in between those two guys, in between, or excuse, in between those three guys, I'm gonna have to go probably with Michael McDowell. I mean, I gotta be honest with you. If it weren't for Indy, if it weren't for Watkins Glen, I probably would have said otherwise. I probably would have said Ty Gibbs is probably gonna make it in, but. You can tell that Michael, that team is slowly getting better and better and better. And they've been kind of climbing up through the points the last few weeks. And everyone else has been kind of struggling a little bit. And I want you to notice, Trey, uh, a guy that I didn't just mention just now, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, Hendrick guys that still are outside of the playoffs right now that are still struggling to get back inside. I'll be super interested to see where they come into factor in the next few weeks. But as of right now, I do kind of like Michael McDowell. I like a good underdog story. I've already said on Happy Hour multiple times that Chase Elliott wasn't going to make the playoffs. I am not wavering from that. My man Dalton, how can our uh, uh, listeners uh, connect with you before uh, before I let you go? Well, you can uh, check me out on Twitter. It's at PitLaneLT. Uh, that's at P-I-T-L-A-N-E-L-T. Or you can go on FrontStretch.com and check me out there. Uh, that's I come out with a... Uh, a column every Sunday night slash Monday morning called Thinking Out Loud. That's where I rant and rave about everything that's happened in the race, all the big highlights of the race. And then, of course, Trey, as you very well know, you can check us out uh, on, I guess it's going to be Wednesday evenings now, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. We're still we're, we're working on that. But, yeah, Wednesday mornings, uh, Wednesday morning slash Wednesday evenings, we come out with our happy hour podcast, uh, our weekly happy hour podcast, where we kind of do the same thing. We rant and rave and Talk about the biggest hot topics in in NASCAR. My man, thank you so much. That was Dalton Hopkins from FrontStretch.com. No Fast Five at 5-ish today. Uh, We will have a jam-packed show for us. we got to stay on track. Greg Mattia, the University of Virginia beat writer for the Daily Progress, joins us to preview the UVA. We've done a little Hokies, a little, little Flames this week, and now it's time to do the Who's. This is the Fast Lane on CBS Sports and the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.